Hey, beautiful people. This is Mariah Karina and Arikai Moon, and we are continuing our series of going through the signs, and we have arrived to one of the great loves of my life, that gorgeous trickster magician, that fun, playful, and this, and this, and this multiplicity of multiverses that is Gemini. We felt like this time it would be great to just dive right in and talk about some of the essence level dynamics of this sign. So let's get to it. So for me, there's so much that you can say just about Gemini on its own, but one of the ways that has really helped me deepen my understanding of Gemini has been seeing it through its polarity point of Sagittarius. And so There's so many ways that I like to play this polarity game between the two of them. Like I feel like Sagittarius is this monotheistic, single-pointedness, that arrow of the Sagittarius Mm -hmm. direction, like desire for meaning, desire for a system of meaning and belief and truth and purpose and can get very single-focused and dogmatic and identified with its belief system. Mm -hmm. And often when people get really far down the Sagittarius road, they have identified with the truth and they've been able to establish themselves as a knowledgeable authority within that truth. Mm -hmm. And it fills them up with all that Jupiterian hot air. And then the actual truth that they found, the actual natural direct experience that led them to adopt that dogma and belief Mm -hmm. system in the first place is so far beyond, so far back in their memory. And what they're experiencing present day is just a sort of like bloated, puffed up attachment Mm -hmm. to the rank and social status that they've been able to attain within that system. Mm -hmm. So now they are the preacher. Now they are the Pope. Now they are the shaman. And it just feels so good to be the scientist, the doctor. Mm -hmm. And it feels so good to be in that role. It becomes almost like a mask. Right. And then they have to travel back down to Gemini to be humbled, to Mm -hmm. be students again. If Sagittarius is the teacher who's, you know, maybe giving lectures about concepts that were once alive to them and are now empty, but getting off on the status and authority and how good it feels to be in a teaching role. When you see them travel back down to Gemini, it's this beautiful humbling where now they have to be a student again. Now they have to travel to different cultures, to different systems, to gather all these different data points, to be able to shake up and dismantle whatever has calcified in their cognitive processes, mm-hmm. to be pliable and mutable again, to have creative again. Because when we shut down that creativity, it's like what you were saying, it's like becomes this, this inauthentic frozen dead it's like as if taking the the mythos the the living word of of the symbols and the mythologies of parables and stories that were meant to teach and then freezing them in a bible (laughs) you know freezing them in this is the one word the truth this is there's one way and it freezes that and makes it to where people are no longer actually able to have a relationship that applies to them, but they're actually just going towards that one, you know, idea and trying to get that actual direct experience of God, you know, say like what you were saying about like somebody having a direct experience of God or a, 
direct experience of psychedelic sex and then we're just reading about it and then we're teaching people but we're not actually having them actually go through the portal of experience. I love that you mentioned psychedelics. To me, that's the root metaphor for Sagittarius because maybe some of you out there, certainly me, has had the experience where you take psychedelics and you really are one with that experience. You really are having this deep insight and this deep, direct, embodied experience. I can't think of a different word. Mm -hmm. And then a few days later, it's really still bright and you might be going around and telling people and harvesting Mm -hmm. your knowledge and creating new connections. And then a week later or a month later or a year later, it's like, you're still trying to milk that memory. Totally. And maybe you've created a whole identity around it. Maybe now you have a cool fractal hat and like a dope (laughs) Alan Watts tie-dye shirt. And you're trying to be the psychedelic guy at the party telling everyone about your experience. And yet it's really far back there. Right. And the mythos now is what you're sort of living off of the fumes of. Or even if you, you know, take it a little bit from like the superficial, you know, fractal hats and and hug signs, but we also take it to having those grand visions that radically change our life and imagine that it's like, okay, ayahuasca has now sent me on this mission of this purpose. I'm to create this. I'm to write this. I'm to arrange my life in this way. And then you start on that journey. But then along the way, there's all these places that do get stagnant. And I think that sometimes in those, um, experiences, what I like to call, we fall asleep. It's like, we have these direct experiences. We, we wake up inside of the dream. We become lucid. We get the transmission. And then along the way of actually trying to integrate and actualize that transmission, we fall back asleep. And that's what I think the magic of, for one, um, consistent psychedelics and, and, ways that are bring us into those embodied experiences that's when i think the one of the saddest things about religion is because we took something that potentially i'm gonna just like be optimistic (laughs) and say that we were really going off of something that was a direct transmission and and an experience at some point down the line line. we're just going to be optimistic about that (laughs) not saying that for sure but Benefit of the doubt. But I'm getting given the benefit of a doubt that maybe mm-hmm. Jesus was like Dionysus and that the wine of the sacrament mm-hmm. was a psychedelic wine with the ergot <laughs> mushrooms and the, the deep cave rituals were happening and people were having a transcendental experience and and yet then we create an entire religion for thousands of years after that for people to follow the frozen, hollowed words of something that echoes something divine, but no longer is actually present and living and, and rocking them. And I think that that's why actually being able to stay lucid or do these things that actually bring us into those transcendental experiences gives us that Gemini medicine to like you said, decalcify and unlock these places where we can be more creative, where we can be more open to trying on different lenses of perception. Like so much of what I, I feel like there's the spiritual idea of like, I don't need to take anything outside of me. I have everything inside of me to resource, you know, blah, blah. And I, you know, it's valid to do your meditation practices, to do everything that like helps you integrate these things. But one thing I, I do think is invaluable about taking plant medicine and really 
opening ourselves to the consciousness is that something I cannot know, like ayahuasca gives me a different perception of reality. Like what she has experienced for thousands of years living in the Amazon jungle is something that's far different than what I can experience on my own. It's a consciousness. It's a consciousness. And even if it's just simply that plant has a different experience. And that's what I think is the medicine of Gemini is like being able to try on the lenses and perceptions that really alter that, that are completely different, you know, it's, and that's where all the gifts of Gemini are to me is like in that chameleon place where you're willing to try on different lenses, you're willing to melt what you've been to me, the Gemini perpetual song is like, and what about this and this? And this, well, how about this? What about this? Right? There's this openness mm-hmm. that we, I think we lose when we're rigid and, um, you know, shadow Sagittarius, where there's this openness of, ooh, let me go to a different culture. Let me try a different language. Let me do this ego melting experience. Let me research this. Let me juxtapose this piece of data with this piece of data and be willing. To me, it's also, that's what I mean by monotheism to, um, uh, like this pantheon of deities is you're like, let me be Apollo. Let me be Dionysus. Let me be Pan. You know, it's just like that Gemini magic of play and of storytelling and of tricksterdom and being able to create worlds happens when we're pliable and mutable and have lots of cards to throw, have lots of tricks in our bag of magic, have lots of trades that we can be a jack of. Right. And the ability to be like that magician trickster that's jumping into all of these because you're not so attached to this one way of being. And there's so it's so valuable, you know, to be able to to hold that, you know, Sagittarian stamina and, and anchor in, you know, an, an energy, an element, a polarity that you're really anchoring in at the time. But then there's such power to being able to jump in and out. Um and be fluid and, and mutable because Gemini is a mutable sign. And it's, it's also so fascinating to have that kind of medicine offered to our relationships because I think that so many times inside of relationships, we create these roles and sometimes that really feeds our relationship. I love to play roles, but sometimes that's the very thing that we end up getting imprisoned by and stagnant and need to Mm -hmm. break free of. And a lot of times there's all these codependent, toxic, explosive, challenging things that arise inside of relationships because um, of simply just needing to to break out of that. And I think that a lot of times that Gemini medicine can like jump into the other polarity, the other element and, and free itself and then therefore give the, the other an invitation to free themselves you know, so they're not just like making everyone else in the room polarized to whatever they are, you know, desiring to be and holding that and everyone else miss must be that. And they have to like leave that person in order to experience this other aspect of themselves. You know, Gemini really allows so many different parts of somebody to be able to have space inside of that relationship or inside of that experience. Mm-hmm. My teacher, Don always said relationship roles work until they don't, mm-hmm. right? Like a lot of times you're happy. You'll be the messy one and I'll be the caretaker or you'll be the, 
um, uh, like really playful extroverted one and I'll be the elegant graceful one and like <laughs> they all they work until they don't right you know because it's like I think those things they are an aspect of us but they're not us in our wholeness and exactly. so it feels good to be in it until it doesn't and that's why Gemini is so queer yeah Gender queer, sexually queer, queer, hermaphroditic. Exactly. It wants to experience all of life. Yeah. And also, it has to be said, it's a stereotype or a cliche, I think, because it's true, that one of the ways in which it is experiencing life is through language and is through getting to play in a linguistic realm and through engaging with things from a very verbal place. Right. And I think that's so powerful too, just of how to, it's, it's like Gemini has this way of, of finding the languages and finding all the like polarities and all the roles and all these different like filters and, and different things to play with. Like you said, like the Jack of, of trades, like in order to find any of those tools, but it's also like constantly pulling things apart and deconstructing. And I think language is such a powerful way where we can you know, place spells or grids or stories and ideas and containers and boxes that actually imprison, but also then use the same or different kinds of languaging to like then open up and like liberate and expand and like actually deconstruct so many like, you know, social structures and power systems. And I think it's part of being able, the juxtaposition is part of being able to get out of it. You know, like I've spent a lot of my life learning different languages and I was grateful, blessed to go to, um, an elementary school where they spoke mostly Spanish. And I think just having that juxtaposition of like, oh, there's English, but there's all these other languages and English has this word for something, but there's another word for it. And it made me realize that there was something happening called language. It wasn't just like the word cup was one with cup because I had multiple words for it. So it's like, I could understand even just that, that, the only way of perceiving reality was not just the operating system of English. Right. And you can also see something so unique about a culture in the way that they describe something that like, say in English, it would be, you know, more straightforward or cold or, you know, just, just something that, I mean, maybe it's just also like that because that's my primary language and first language. But when I learn, you know, a different language, it's, there's this, these nuances that I feel like then I can look out and, and actually I see that, that nuance and that difference reflected in like the way that people engage with each other, the way that that culture actually is, is, um, yeah, like yeah, the language entrains and oh, a certain way of being and the certain mm-hmm. way of being informs the language. And I feel like this happens not just with whole, you know, spoken languages like English and Spanish, but with modalities, with paradigms. Like if you're speaking the language of science versus of theater versus of mysticism. Mm-hmm. And that's why whenever I see someone with strong signatures in the third house or in Gemini, it just signals to me that they're in this deconstruction process, Mm -hmm. which to me feels like a very delicate balance between on the one hand, being able to melt and explore and be novel and be mutable again with all those amazing, playful, joyful trickster gifts that we were talking about. But on the other hand, it can be very difficult or needs to be counterpointed with Um, also 
maintaining a certain level of psychic or psychological cohesion Absolutely. because that deconstruction process of your entire reality melting, your entire identity being demolished is really intense. Like I think about my mom, both my biological mother and father have some of the most Gemini I've ever seen. And I just mm-hmm. think about the transition that they went through in their lives. Like my mother was born in this like, you know, working class, Jewish enclave in New York City and was just so communicated a certain version of the world was born in 1949 where it was like be a woman and wear these little kid gloves and she even found wrote in her um this essay she wrote in high school she's like I hope to marry a doctor or a lawyer so that I can be supporting someone who's doing good things in the world that's the life that she was living. That's like the social sphere that she was born into. Everyone she knew was Jewish. And from there, she went through the 60s, the women's movement, came out as a lesbian, became super passionate about anti-racism work, realized U.S. imperialistic efforts all over the world, became this huge radical activist. Like It's crazy to me, starting from there, and then you become this like wild Marxist lesbian. Mm-hmm. And it's not just her identity that had to change. It's her entire understanding of the world. Like She didn't even know racism, sexism, homophobia existed. And then had to learn that while also doing acid. She like came out as a lesbian on acid that her therapist gave her. Like just going through that wormhole <laughs> that a lot of people went through of like completely melting. And I feel like a lot of people wouldn't have made it through that level of like your reality completely transforming. And it was that delicate balance of being open to so many other points of of view and having something that was able to hold the container of cohesion enough to allow for there to be an openness to change. I just think it's so profound, too, just how... Like, what a warrior. And maybe because Mars is in Gemini right now, retrograde, I, I think of this. But even what you're saying, it's like, if you numerize mom, it's like she's so sweet and so beautiful. And you just don't see her as this, like, fucking warrior activist, Marxist lesbian that was, like, there before any of, like, doing the groundwork. Like, literally laying such profound groundwork for for all of the the gay rights and the, the AIDS awareness and, and just and the so women's much. movement, like realizing sexism existed. Like, I think it's hard for us nowadays. Like imagine no one even talked about sexism. Like it wasn't a word in the lexicon and you're born a woman and you realize your whole life has been operating under this system. And this is why I think it's such a, a courageous fucking deep sign because even though it's it's you know only the third but as you can see it's like we find this like deep essence of all of them Fuck no matter yes. what order they're in but it's like really taking these parts of our egoic structures these parts of our communication and the building blocks of how we see ourselves like of consciousness of how we are reflected and being able to allow that to be like completely dismantled 
systematically dismantled the the tendency to see the thread and then to pull it apart and then to see it not only inside of you but also inside of every part of society inside of every interaction it's like and then to have the courage to pull that thread until it unravels every aspect of your life yes that's so profound and it's world changing like it was those women absolutely realizing this happened burning their bra advocating for equal rights meeting together in consciousness raising groups right realizing they were gay coming out as gay like fighting having to fight society and all the belief systems about it having to fight their parents that changed the world that changed the regular everyday frameworks and worldviews that we now exist within and i i also think that it's really interesting just how you know oh, like how people can really coat over this and like this ditzy or this like pop culture or everything's becoming a fad or, you know, they can really kind of degrade and invalidate these realms of Gemini. But when you look at that, especially like, you know, fast forward 40, 50 years and, and then now it's just infiltrated inside of our awareness. So we take it for granted, the revolutionary experience that this was. But to me, it's like as we've been going through these deconstructions of power and decolonization and our own ideas of gender and sexuality and racism and really pulling it apart over the last like five years, I feel like people are invalidating they feel like it's just like pop culture kind of thing or or like you know maybe not pop culture but more of um oh it's like a fad and it's kind of like becoming a place where when we say these words it kind of gets diluted by the the tendency for people to see a radical um radical political oppositional way of deconstructing like the very things that we are functioning in every day and that and use that as a defense mechanism to not be penetrated by that because that egoic processing system is so strong inside of us that I think that it really does take a fucking strong Gemini to to be willing to allow it to really penetrate without that invalidating or numbing tendency. And I think that's why Gemini is such a, an antidote to narcissism, mm. narcissism, because it's bringing up that, that tendency to say like, can you see this other side? Can mm. you empathize? Can you put yourself inside of this other experience? Right. Can you see outside of your own rigid way of understanding things? And what does that mean about you? Because we have a really strong tendency to be able to empathize when it benefits, like what we already think about ourselves. Exactly. When it supports that egoic structure, that that primary process. Mm-hmm. But when it actually starts to dismantle that, it is really hard to get through those layers. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's when you know we see the most you know pushback or invalidating, um, degrading, demoralizing. Um, People even just calling it ditzy or crazy or whatever it is that they want to say. Because I think they don't necessarily identify that that curiosity, that that willingness to be like, well, let's explore over here. And what about over here? And how does that relate to this, that, and this, and this? Well, what about that thing about Gemini? I think it does get characterized, like they say, a mile wide, but an inch deep. 
like it can look a little aimless or it can look a little information for information's sake or just wanting to read the headlines of things, just wanting to read the magazine article about it. And I don't think they realize that the deeper cognitive process that happens when we start juxtaposing things, one, leads to revolutionary modes of thought and being, but two, is part of that willingness and that openness to change, which like we were saying might mean that there has to be a certain level or like, I think works best if there's, you know, uh, I'm thinking about that thing kind of like, um, the safer someone feels or the more trusting they feel, the more willing they are to take risks, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I feel like it's like that with Gemini, where it's like, whatever it is in the karma, in the soul, in the openness, if there is something that's able to hold that container, then it just means that the dismantling can happen in a different way. And then I think the other shadow side of Gemini is that if that isn't there, it can lead to this frenetic panic and sort of this kind of random defensiveness to different things, especially because there is that sensitivity to words and language. So a real fragility to criticism, a real... Or fragility around its egoic ideas, Mm -hmm. you know, like its egoic identity of itself or its perception of reality. And when that gets threatened, what what is the capacity to really hold that unknown? And even feeling like its reality or its truth is under constant threat. And so it needs to be asserted all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And getting into this real scarcity mentality, like it's either my truth or your truth. Right. And mine needs to win because it feels like life or death. Right. And I think that's when like the Gemini true function is being really severely stunted and threatened. You know, I feel like when it's like in its, like when you have a strong capacity to hold that Gemini energy, I feel like that's when you're able to, and it's interesting because I think that what you were saying, it's like, oh, this and this and this, it can look like this wishy-washy or not um, focused or just simply curious or light kind of way of thinking um, or gathering information. But I also think it can be very, uh, maybe in just my own personal expression of it, it feels very pointed in the way of there's this, this and this and this and this, and this is how we can draw the connections. And like, open the capacity to hold all of these seemingly disparate parts. And I think that that's when we are faced with people that don't actually have a strong capacity to hold all these complexities, all these multidimensional layers of reality or layers inside of society um, that then start to contract and, you know, um, attack the... the, um, the invitation to actually expand. Yeah. And so the, um, putting your sword in the sand for your monotheistic God comes in place, but it's true. I think ultimately there's all of those dots. Sometimes it is a little aimless, I think, but sometimes it can really come back around into just a super deep, incredibly intricate, complex system understanding and analysis like so many of the people I know who are um, some of my dear friends who have strong Gemini work in climate change or work in regenerative and sustainable 
textiles and I feel like and patterns and I feel like Gemini moon people are so good at seeing different systems and tracking the patterns and then finding these ways where you can affect change through them and specifically also where thought forms and words affect these different like layers and patterns and that's also how Gemini is a warrior because I think a lot of Gemini is actually about bringing in something new it's about dismantling the old right. and playing. And liberating. Like really liberating oneself. And if we can see where the perception, like the cultural thread that then leads to these different patterns inside of our own individual lives and inside of our relationships, and then we can start to track those patterns and pull at those threads and like really piece it apart. I feel like that's yeah, that's the warrior of Gemini. It's liberating consciousness. It's creating new systems understanding. I think it's taking a lot of systems that existed and finding novel incantations and patterns between them. And I think it's liberating consciousness, language, and play itself. And our actual neurology and the way that our nervous system is functioning. You know, finding these ways where it's been hijacked, finding these cultural programs that have actually stunted our abilities to connect, to reflect, to empathize, to track these things, and then finding ways to like liberate that, I think is what's so needed. Like that's the jam right now. This is like what we need <laughs> in order to get ourselves free. <laughs> I also, I want to, this is my last thought. I'm open if you have a last thought, but, um, I, at one point in my own personal Mars and Gemini late night researching, um, was like, how many rappers have strong Gemini placements? And almost every single one that I found had some really prominent Gemini in their chart. And I was like, fucking, of course. Of course, because not only is it that quickness, that play, that novel pattern, that like being able to pull shit down from the ether on a moment's notice, free styling. But what I always say is one of the best fortifications of your boundaries is hardcore rap. Yes. Yes. I feel like the muse to my rap is Gemini. Yes. And that ability to really, like you said, like shred and like go into it. Cause that's why I turned my spoken word into rap because I was like, you know what? People can get away with so much when they're rapping. You can just go hard and people are just going to expect it. Like they can permission you. It's a place that is permission. It is permission. So I'm like, I'm going to go hard with this. And just the magic of that process for me, like to find the places where these like I've had Saturn in the third house. And so it's, you know, this place where especially Christianity, these spells, these cultural spells have been imprinted in me so strong and to find the way to, to rap about them, go so hard and shred all of these patterns. And then to find the way that it actually transforms towards the end and really liberates. And then to feel it on an energetic way, like in an energetic way, place inside of me that when those spells come back to me and are reflected back to me, like I actually have the wraps, like as if they've created these, like, like this shield yeah, that has like taken those spells, taken those words, those thought forms that were imprinted in me that used to trigger these different vibrations 
of unworthiness or whatever it is, shame. And then they're like unraveled, completely deconstructed and, wow. and reconfigured into the place that I've been able to like transform them with the words. Yes, that alchemy. alchemy. And I'm not saying that all rap that exists in the world is like conscious, amazing, high vibration, positive impact for society, (laughs) right? I get it. I get that rap is like also, you know, has its own codes. Certain kinds of rap also has its own codes and oppressive whatever in it. I hear you all. I feel you. However, with everything we can express the shadow aspect. Yes. Right. Always. However, I really do feel there is an energetic to it. Like when I am listening to rap or when I've been doing rap, I think sometimes some really forceful slam poetry will do it too. But what I feel is that whatever it is that is criticizing me from the inside or shaming me, eating me from the inside is taken from inside my body and pushed out. Like you said, to like that auric level, to the place of the shield, like maybe a foot, maybe two feet out of my body. Like, I don't think it's a mistake that this particular art form was born out of some of the most oppressed people on the planet, like black people in the urban city who are just dealing with the horrendous negative projections every single day of like, oh, you're black, you're evil, you're a monster, you're violent. And it's almost like this art form came encoded with that power to like push those projections out of your energy. And so thank you to the origins of rap. Thank you to all the amazing Gemini magicians who brought this art form in because I swear it is medicine. Like whenever I'm feeling eaten from the inside, like doing rap, rapping myself, listening to rap has that power to take it out of my field and to fortify my shield against it. Yes. Cool. So thank you all for being with us on that note. I'm going to close it up. We really appreciate you all. Thank you to the great spirit of Gemini. Thank you to all of you magical tricksters out there. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>